0: Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton.
1: And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in.
0: Welcome back to the Simply Why podcast. I'm Dennis Morton here with Katie Brown. Katie, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Dennis. Great. I'm excited to talk today.
0: Good. good. That, that's what I like to hear. We've got, we've got a, a good topic. There was something we've talked about a lot to our clients when we, we describe our role. On the podcast, we've talked a good bit about our values, what we stand for, what we, what we hope to represent uh, at Morton Brown Family Wealth. But today we're going to talk about what we're against and how we are positioned relative to our clients that might be a little bit different from the way many advisors are positioned. And really, it's the reason why we're in the independent space, because there are a lot of independent firms doing exactly this work. And it's something that we think is really valuable. Katie, we see ourselves serving as advocates for our clients against many trends and things that the world is pressing upon them, specifically the financial industry. Let's talk a little bit about what it means to be an advocate for our clients uh, in our relationship with them.
1: We are held to the fiduciary standard. I think that might be something that many of our listeners are familiar with, or maybe they've heard it. But ultimately, what it boils down to is we hold our client's best interest first and foremost in everything that we do. And, and we take that very, very seriously. And so as we think about how we structure the business, how we bring solutions forward, the whole gamut of the experience for the client, it is truly with what is best for the client so in designing our firm as a fully independent registered investment advisor uh, as the technical term inside of our industry we go out and choose what custodian is going to best hold this assets secure report on them execute all of that stuff everything is done through the lens of how does this show up for the client in the best possible way so even just rooted in in the structure of our firm and how we bring pieces together from the perspective of the client that's that's the first place that we really advocate for our clients
0: yes and it's it's an interesting structure in the independent space because you, you often will find that the advisor is separate from the custodian. Like you said, we choose them and separate from the products and services. So the, the mutual funds or the ETFs, so those things, but sometimes the advisor in other structures, more of a wall street structure is representing the corporate parent using the sleeve of investments that are allowed under that platform and presenting those to the client. And, It's not that often that the advisor has the clout to turn around to the corporate parents that I don't want to do it that way. There's a way that's dictated from on top and you stay within those bounds. And that's, we sense the frustration sometimes with advisors who are in those channels because they are constrained in what they can do. There's latitude within certain boundaries, but we really embrace the idea that it's really, we talked about building the firm in the image of our clients. What if we took, the other way and say, these people need this. Let's go out and pull together those resources, be advocates for them to bring some of those best in class services, products, offerings uh, to them.
1: It's an interesting place to be in, to be able to design this firm from that perspective. And we don't take that lightly. And I think that we also try to gather feedback from clients, from our team, to ask them, how are you using things? How does it show up for you? Where do you get anxiety? What's important to you? And for us to take that seriously and to build that experience that helps them to see that clarity and, and helps them to be confident in, in any solutions that we bring forward. This is going to be a very simple example. When we think about it, putting together a portfolio of investments, we consider ourselves to be the last ones paid. Mm-hmm. Most of our fees for the clients that we work with, we charge an asset under management fee, meaning a percentage of the assets that, that we are managing for them. And within that portfolio, they have different investment products in there that we will source through a whole due diligence process. And one of the things that we look at are expenses. We want to make sure that expenses are low. We want our clients to earn as much money as possible on their investments. And if they're making money, we're making money. You know, if the expenses are higher, then neither one of us are making as much money. And so we work hard to make sure that we are bringing forward suitable investments. Being an independent advisor, we have the world of investing out there that we can pull pieces from. But just one example of a way that we bring the advocacy forward to to help position our clients as, as, as well as we can.
0: Yeah. And there's thousands upon thousands of mutual funds, stocks, ETFs out there. And that complexity is constantly being foisted upon that there's always something else you can do. I had a client say the other day, I just hear a particular stock or a fund mentioned on TV and I always wonder, is that something that I should be doing? And we'll get calls about that. I just heard this. Is this something that I should be doing? Mm-hmm. And... Part of what we're doing is building a barrier or a high wall mm-hmm. that the best ideas have a really tough time getting in, but they get in. But it keeps all the the bad stuff out because I think that we've talked before about how complexity is the enemy of, of good investing sometimes, and we have to fight against the the tendency of the financial industry to increase the complexity that then flows over to complexity of investing in portfolios and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know another another place where. I think we've had to serve increasingly as, a, as an advocate in people's access to their money. Isn't that a Isn't that a funny thing?
1: That is beyond frustrating. It drives me crazy to no end when people cannot easily get access to their money, and we see it. We see it show up. You know whether or not they're they're taking a distribution from. You know, maybe there's an annuity or a transfer or a, a banking instrument or or something, and the number of hoops and paperwork that they need to go through, and the number of people they have to talk to to even just get to the right person to find out the right form to find out the right process. So frustrating.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I feel like I feel like some some institutions. It, it might might be selling it as a good thing. We treat the money like it's ours. Well, they're also treating it like it's theirs and not getting it to you. it's it's really hard. And especially now, like our team, our admin team spends so much time just on joint calls with people, helping them navigate often an inhuman experience. Yes, yeah. it's pushing this button, it's pushing that button and you have to find that secret path to get to talk to a person. and that's that's what all customer service is turning into. really frustrating when it's about your money. It's one thing if you're trying to set a hair appointment, but really frustrating when it's you're trying to access your IRA or figure out information about that. In my opinion, that's only going to get tougher and only increase the reason why people are going to lean on firms like ours or concentrate on the human experience to help navigate that.
1: Mm-hmm. Something else that I think we push back against as as well is when... Clients are not getting the attention that they deserve from other advisors, um, from other people providing advice to them. We will often have new families come to us and they're working with a different firm. And in in the conversation, we'll ask them, what are you looking for in this next advisory relationship? What would be important to you? What would help make this relationship successful for you? How has communication been with your previous advisor where you came from? How many times do we hear, well, I haven't heard from my advisor in three years, five years. Yes. You look at the statements and there's been zero activity inside of this. Not that there has to be a lot of activity. There doesn't necessarily have to be, but there's some maintenance things to be done along the way at the very least. And so that is something that I... I would love to just raise the bar for the level of service that families can expect to receive from their financial advisors. Because I, I think there's too much of that happening where an advisor is just checked out.
0: My gosh, you're, you're exactly right. I left Wall Street at this point, what, 14 years ago. I still see statements coming across our desk from people who are coming on board where it's the same things that I was seeing you know, in the late Two thousands, they'll have a smattering of preferred stocks, some expensive mutual funds, a handful of individually picked stocks. You know, fifteen individual stocks that make no sense in the context of anything, mm-hmm. and you just see all this product. It feels like product of the day, stock of the day got cobbled together, and that's what they think their plan is. Right. That's what they think their investment strategy is, and it's it's really frustrating to see that still out there, especially because you and I, we've been in the independent space for for me, it's like fifteen years, uh, for you, even longer. But it's still so novel. It it is still out there and and it just helps us to, it's invigorating because there's work to be done, but you see it showing up on statements all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will say coming off of 2020, coming off of 2022, it frustrates me to no end when I see the lack of activity during those time periods when there was a lot of productive work to be done. Yes. And opportunities to get portfolios positioned properly to do some tax loss selling to position for for future growth and reduce costs yes reduce costs too i mean because if we look at just the the cost of investing 10 years ago is so much higher than the cost of investing today that has been a great trend that has happened in our industry. Mm-hmm. But we still see, to your point, we still see some portfolios and some very high cost positions in, in there, some very high cost securities and mutual funds and different strategies that just in, in this day and age should not be there.
0: Yeah. And, and I wonder what, what's at the root of this. We're talking a lot about advocating on behalf of our clients for an industry that, that doesn't always have its act together. And I think some of that, especially on, specifically on the advisory side there aren't enough advisors doing this work, I think. We're facing this this crisis a little bit. You and I are in the middle of our careers and there's a wave of advisors who are approaching retirement age or even in retirement age and are still hanging around. Mm-hmm. And we hear anecdotally, and we see it in the national financial media that they're struggling to find succession plans because guess what? Between 2007 and 2012, 2013, in the great financial crisis and afterwards, big firms weren't hiring a lot of financial advisors. They barely made it through the financial crisis. And they had my generation washed out uh, from, from Wall Street for the most part. So looking around and saying, where are all the 45 year old financial advisors that are gonna take over for the 65 year old financial advisors? And there aren't any. So what you end up having is the handful that there are, are dealing with many, many, many households. Mm-hmm. So many households, because those book, books of clients are rolling down to the next generation Two advisors, three or four advisors. Their succession plan is one person, and suddenly you can't do what you do for thousands of people. Especially if you're a planning focused firm or something like that, you can't look at the statements. I think Wall Street's dealing with that issue. It's one of the reasons why part of our advocacy is making sure that we manage our capacity
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that we and we don't have you know twenty thousand people who never hear from us.
1: Right, and I feel I feel for some of those advisors too that. Truly, would love to give the same level of service to clients that I, I feel that we give to our clients, and you know, always trying to make it better. Absolutely, but I think there are a lot of great advisors that just have too much on their plate, and and they're in a tough spot. So, you know, I do want to recognize that as well. But at the end of the day, it's the client experience. It's how it shows up for the family. That's the most important thing. And I think for families that don't feel as if they are getting the right level of service and attention, I hope that they seek it out because it's it's your financial well-being and it's continued success of the the family and communication and everything else. I think it is so important. But there's a lot of transformation that's happening, not just in our industry and in a lot of industries, but there's a lot of transformation that's happening. And there's a ton of incredible technology that's coming out too. And I think that that's, that's something else that, kind of a different type of advocacy but i think an advocacy that we do for our clients as well is helping to bring forth technologies that are going to streamline how they access their money, how they view their money, how they view their plan, make it as simplified as as possible, give them the information that they need. And i think this is an incredibly exciting time to be in the financial industry from that that fintech perspective.
0: I think the the Part that makes it so exciting is the entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's really kind of fallen by the wayside. You hear, talk to advisors who are large institutions who say it was much more entrepreneurial a long time ago. Now there were it was the wild west in some respects. It wasn't as regulated. There was a lot of stuff, you know, things that needed to be tightened up. But the entrepreneurial spirit, especially as we go to conferences and we're seeing other firms nationwide what they're doing, the amount of entrepreneurial energy that's being put into financial technology. That's the part that's really invigorating that, that's the part that gets us super excited because you realize we can design a business, hitch our wagons to people who are doing it uniquely better and deliver that right here for, for this for this group of clients it's it's an exciting time to be in in our space in the industry, our little corner.
1: Yes our corner is getting bigger.
0: It is <laughs> it is. It is.
1: I think it's getting bigger because I think advisors are recognizing that the independent space gives them a lot more freedom and allows them to be able to break outside of that corporate mold if that mold doesn't fit them. Mm -hmm. So it it gives another option, uh, more flexibility, and a lot more clients are migrating into the independent space as well because they want to know that their client has their best interests in mind at all times. And I think they're recognizing it's not across the board, but it's a different client experience. And sometimes it's better for the families.
0: Yes. I think one other way that we advocate for our clients is through things like this, like by podcasting, creating videos, blogging, all all of those things. Because as you've heard, we're taking these ideas, these experiences that we have with one family, broadcasting that out within our community and even out within the industry and letting that become knowledge, building community around that. That's part of what we're trying to do and making people feel like they belong to something. Mm -hmm. that that they're not working with an advisor who represents X firm. They're part of a community and we're communicating on ideas and how we think. And that's really what this is about is how do advisors think and how do they deliver? And the feedback so far has has been great because people feel like they're they're learning a little bit about how we're going out there into the world, attempting to influence the, the better experience for clients. Yeah,
1: I think that is one of the great advantages that we do have under our structure is that we can speak out loud and as I said before, hopefully raise that bar for the client expectations mm-hmm. of what they should be receiving in, in an advisory relationship. So the more that we can, the more that we can shout that from the rooftops down, it's good.
0: I, I know. I know.
1: <laughs> the better.
0: That's the podcast. But yeah. I mean, you're right. A lot of advisors can't do this because. If for good reason, if there's 15,000 advisors working for a firm, if they all tried to have a podcast, that would be a compliance nightmare. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to corral that a little bit. We're very fortunate. We work with a great compliance team to make sure that they know how we think, they know how we talk, and they review all of these things. And it's, it allows us, it's really a superpower for us to be able to communicate this way and translate, hopefully, the client experience into something that people appreciate, understand, and know that we're constantly working on.
1: Right. This has been a really good discussion. And, and honestly, I'm I I feel super privileged and super proud to be able to be advocates for our clients.
0: It's a great position to be in. If you have any questions about the, the kinds of roles that an advisor could play in your life or the things that we do that might be a little bit different or unique from your advisory experience, always happy to talk anytime.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoy getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions.
0: Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com.